Good to be with you here this morning. Good to see all of you here this morning. Always an honor, always a privilege to open God's Word together. Well, a big problem that takes the wind out of our sails can paralyze us in life is fear. Fear of disease, including the various COVID strains, job security when there's cutbacks in our field, fear of being misunderstood, rejected, criticized, or even forgotten. As I review my own life, I can remember a few things I have feared in the past and even today. Being an army chaplain, we had the opportunity to go through basic in Fort Monmouth, New Jersey in winter for three months. And part of basic training included an obstacle course that included crawling under barbed wire while a 50 millimeter machine gun shot over our heads and hand grenade simulators went off. Then to top it off, we all partook of the gas chamber where we put on our mask and when told inside the chamber, pulled them off and we had to count to 25 together. Then we ran out the door with our faces stinging and our eyelids swelled shut. So those were a couple things that I kind of feared, but I kind of feared it after the fact after you went through those things. Well, today, thinking of what I have occasion to fear, my focus centers on one word, and my family can attest, dentist. (laughs) The poke of the picker, the scrape of the scraper, and the whiz of the drill when you're sitting in the waiting room, and then the chair, pure torture for me. When we fear the unknown, sickness, and we see our friends pass away due to age or tragedy, we often go to the Psalms to find comfort in the Word. Psalms like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 46, the Lord is my refuge and strength. Psalm 91, a soldier's psalm, remind us, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress my God in whom I trust. Those are psalms we go to for comfort. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 27. And this morning we'll look at this precious psalm together and we'll find four ways to face our fears and become overcomers and not paralyzed with fear. So join me in Psalm 27. Here we'll spend some time together in this encouraging psalm. Beginning of verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though the war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. 
And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Before looking at the first of four ways to face our fears, we need to remember who recorded this psalm for us. David, we're told, was a man after God's own heart. David, while a young shepherd, killed a bear and a lion with his bare hands. David, who stood before a nine and a half foot giant named Goliath with a slingshot and defeated him. But David, who fell into immorality and arranged for a man to be set up and killed. Yet in this psalm, David battles fears and he has good days and bad days. Can we associate with that? Do we have good days and bad days here and there? So now we come to the first way we can face our fears. And that first way is with confidence. We can face our fears with confidence. And we see this spelled out for us in verses 1 to 3. The Lord is my light, my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life, whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a whole host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Confident with who? In who? Verse 1, the Lord is David's light and he's David's salvation. He had a close personal relationship with the Lord. The word light here speaks of purity, holiness, dispelling the darkness. Jesus is the light of men. He's our enlightenment, our truth. Light guides us. All our steps are ordained. This relates to Psalm 37:23. The steps of man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Here God is guiding David as the enemy is stalking him. Psalm 37:24 further relates, when he falls, he will not be hurled headlong. Why? Because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. How many times a day do we need to be holding on to the Lord? Every day God hangs on to us, even when we sometimes push him away. 
Charles Spurgeon, great preacher and commentator, shares this. The Lord must be the light by which we may see to walk in that way. The light that exposes the darkness of sin. The light by which we can discover the hidden sins of our own hearts. Salvation here speaks of deliverance. As David, in the immediate context, speaks of King David's immediate deliverance from his enemies who were hounding him. Commentator James Montgomery Boyce adds, The very next psalm expresses the same idea when it says, The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. David adds, Whom shall I fear? And we all know the answer to that. And what is that? No one. Verse 1 continues, The Lord is the defense of of my life. Defense speaks of a stronghold, a shelter. And do we ever need the Lord's defense in our lives? The attacks of the world can seem endless, but we have the promise of 1 Corinthians 10:13. Proverbs 18:10 remind us the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. So whom do we dread? The answer? No one. Nobody. Verses 2 and 3 share some of David's past when God intervened. And as with David, we need to remember all the times God has intervened in our lives. I remember for Carol and I are two car accidents. One where we got rear-ended at 80 miles an hour. Our car was totaled here on Betty Lane. And another one, a car accident on uh, US 19 in front of the big uh, Walmart where we were hit by an elderly lady as she was going 55 miles an hour and we were standing still at a stoplight. But both those times you get a glimpse, God, I'm thankful you're with us. Thankful that you spared us. And as Joe said, as we get older, our recovery time's a little slower. Well, some, sometimes when you get hit a couple of times like that, you're thankful God has you still here for a purpose. Don't know what it is, but there's some purpose he still has us around. There's a challenge for all of us when we're frozen with fear, how God has delivered us in the past. And when we think about those, we need to take a piece of paper, we need to write it down. And we need to put it in a place where next time we're frozen with fear, we look at that and say, like David did, those times where God intervened, where he helped us, where he brought us through, when that could have been the end of our lives. David's conclusion when tempted to fear, in spite of all this, these things coming into my life, he says at the end of verse 3, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Confident in who? The Lord Jesus, our Savior, our Creator, who is eternal and omnipotent and sovereign. There's nothing that comes into our lives that God doesn't know about. God doesn't say, uh-oh, that, where'd that come from? i got to rewrite what's going on. God already knows before it happens. As we're reminded in Psalm 139, we should be confident that God knows our thoughts before we even think them. 
He knows what we're going to say before we say it. And he's in charge of our lives. But we try to grab that steering wheel and then we wonder, why did I end up in the ditch when we weren't letting God guide and direct our steps? Charles Swindoll, radio pastor and commentator, writes, Confidence means to trust, to be secure, to have assurance. And I like what Hudson Taylor, missionary to China, shared this. It does not matter how great the pressure is. What really matters is where the pressure lies. Whether it comes between you and God, or whether it pressures you near His heart. Does it push us closer to Him? Now we come to the second way we can face our fears. And this is shared in verses 4 to 6. The second way we can face our fears, by singing praises. By singing praises. We pick it up at verse 4. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple For in the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. David had a very close relationship with the Lord. He expresses it with the personal pronouns that he uses here. He says, I have asked, I shall seek, I may dwell. He will conceal me. He will hide me. He will lift me. He had a great close relationship with the Lord as we need to have as well. David is testifying of God's greatness as he shares his struggles David alone with God. Meditate means to speak or talk or converse. How much time do we meditate with Jesus on a daily basis? Do we speak to Him? We know He hears. We know He answers. Do we go to His Word and seek the answers? And when we find them, meditate upon them and say, Lord, I know you're talking to me in this situation. This is what I need. Help me to obey it. Give me the faith to obey it. David seeks God, it says here, in the house of the Lord, his temple. David wants to be near the Lord, and the temple was that physical structure. For us, today, it's our local churches where we worship and serve the Lord. How can we encourage one another if we're not together? How can we do that through the TV or through the media? We can't. As Pastor Steve was pointing out, we need to gather together. Not only to worship together and study the Word, but to pray together. And how many of us, I won't ask for hands raised, how many of us in our lives know when others are praying for us? How many times have we cried out and said, I need help. I don't know how to pray at this point. I'm too flustered. And then others pray for us and God answers in a mighty way. But then we can't forget to thank Him. That's one thing we say, Lord, here's another list. We haven't even thanked Him for the last list that He's answered in our lives. 
James Montgomery Boyce shares this with us. I am suggesting that the actual physical worship of God in the company of other believers can be almost sacramental, a part of worship. We gather at Lakeside to lift up our voices. Pastor Joel leads us as we lift up our voices in song. And remember, we make a joyful noise unto the Lord, a noise. Some of us, that's all we got. But it's a noise, and God hears it in perfect tune. We gather together to learn from the Word, as taught by Pastor Steve, Pastor Joe, and others. To pray together on an intimate level, as we practice here in Faith Builders. To open up so we can lift each other up. Sometimes we need, at least in thinking about this, we need somebody to to put their arm around us and say, I care, I love you in the Lord. We're going to be spending eternity together. You're going through a rough time. I'm here with you. What can I do? And then don't be afraid if they say, okay, here, I've got a list of a few things, but be willing to do it. As we talked about last week, the Good Samaritan didn't pass by, did he? He reached out, he saw a need, and he responded. We need to encourage and exhort one another. You know, we're going to be spending eternity together. How long is that? hundred years? thousand? Beyond that, it's eternity. We're going to be spending time together. And so we can start here. What an opportunity we have to encourage each other. And sometimes we weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. That's how close we should be. David spent time in the presence of the Lord so he didn't fear, as he shares in verses 5 and 6, that the Lord will hide him and protect him as we meditate on God's word and we claim the promises he has given us. Jesus asked the disciples in Luke 8, beginning of verse 22, where is your faith? We're going to look at that passage here real quickly. Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 22. Now, in one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat and he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep and a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake. They began to be swamped and be in danger. They came to Jesus and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves and they stopped. And it became calm. And he said to them, where's your faith? They were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Where is our faith? The disciples didn't have faith. There was Jesus in the boat, the Son of God, our Savior, in the boat. And they go over there and they have to wake him up and say, Don't you care? We're about ready to drown here. You don't think Jesus was aware of that? Don't you think that as Jesus walks with us every day, he's aware of what we're going through? He's there. He's with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. David at the end of verse 6 relates, And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. 
As David relates his joy in walking with the Lord, he bursts out in singing. Fear is gone because the Lord is near. You ever break out in singing, not including the shower? God has taken away our fears when we've looked to Him. We're not to be controlled by our circumstances, but often we are. Faith is a refusal to allow fear to take control. And when God's peace takes over, we should sing praises to Him. Philippians 4, 7 and 8. Be anxious for what? Nothing but in everything. By prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which guards your hearts and minds, and what's the rest? In Christ Jesus. We should sing praises to God. you ever remember that chorus, Thank you God for saving my soul? Do we ever sing that in our hearts? The fact that we're adopted into God's family, that we have been put upon us Christ's righteousness because we believe in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Every morning we should wake up and say, thank you, God, for saving my soul. So now we've seen two ways of facing our fears. With confidence in our Lord and by singing praises to our Lord. The third way we can face our fears is expressing our needs. Expressing our needs. And this is shared in verses 7 to 13. Seeking God's face indicates we need God's presence with us. That first need that is shared by David here is in verses 7 to 10. He says, hear, O Lord. How often do we cry out with our needs and we want God to hear us? Sometimes we turn to other believers and we ask them for their intercessory prayers for us. We should want to seek God's face, His smile, His support, His comfort. Psalm 40 verse 6 says, Sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offerings you have not required. Hosea 3 5, Afterward the sons of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and they will come trembling to the Lord and to His goodness in the last days. Tremble because we're unworthy. We're like the publican in Luke 18 who just cries out for mercy. He doesn't strut around like a peacock, like the religious leader, and say, look at me, blow the trumpets, I'm here. Look at what I'm doing. He says, I cry out to you, God, for mercy. I'm a sinner. We don't deserve anything from God, but because of His grace and mercy through Jesus Christ, we can approach Him. In verse 9, David has a desperate cry to God not to abandon him or forsake him. We, like David, sometimes were overwhelmed with negative thoughts that God's a God of anger, that God doesn't have our best interest at heart, and we know where that comes from. Where did that start? In the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Does the Lord really care? 
Does he really want you to, to be deprived of the eating of this fruit of this one tree? What do we do when we have negative thoughts? We go back to who God is. That God is merciful. How much mercy does God show us every day? We need to reflect on that from time to time. Sometimes many times a day. I know I do. Verse 10, David records, Even if my parents forsook me, God will never forsake me. Psalm 103.13 shares, Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Isaiah 49.15, Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. God knows our name. God walks with us every day. He wants us in His Word. He wants us to meditate upon it and obey it. And He will help us do it. But we have to want to do it. We should have that desire. We need to count on what we know about God. He's a loving Father. He's merciful. He's full of grace. We need to grab hold of Calvary's love and cling to it when the world's stuff seems to be overwhelming us. James Montgomery Boyce shares, Is God ever too busy to listen when we speak to Him? Never. Not one time. The second need David shares is recorded in verses 11 to 13. He says, Teach me your way, O Lord. We desperately need God's guidance all the time. Guidance from the Word in difficult circumstances and then obey it. Even when the enemies bring false witnesses against us. You ever been falsely accused of something? We all have. David falsely accused. Witnesses falsely accusing him. But he looked to who? He looked to the Lord. Teach me your way, O Lord. There's a purpose when those times come. Verses that remind us of God's guidance include... Hebrews 4.16 Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. James 5.16 The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And Philippians 4.6 that we went over earlier Be anxious for nothing but pray about everything and don't forget to thank God for all the answered prayers that he has given us in the past. Verse 13 literally reads, I would have despaired or fainted, which was added by translators so this verse could read, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You ever feel overwhelmed in a day? A day that doesn't end when hope seems to have faded away? then we need to remember the goodness of the Lord. Commentator Warren Worsby shares, David believed that God's goodness followed him. Psalm 23, 6, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all my days. And he also anticipated him that God stored up goodness to use when it was needed. Psalm 31, 19, How great is your goodness! 
which you have stored up for those who fear you. God's goodness never ran out. Psalm 52.1, the loving kindness of God endures all day long. For David could go into God's house, into His presence, and receive all that he needed. Psalm 65, 4, We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. The key was faith in God. And that was from commentator Warren Worsby. So we've covered three ways in facing our fears. With confidence in our Lord, singing praises to our Lord, expressing our needs, and now the fourth way, and facing our fears is in verse 14. This is a tough one here. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. That fourth way in facing our fears, waiting on the Lord. Oh, that's a tough verse. Wait for the Lord means to hope strongly, to trust, to hope that a thing will be affected and to wait steadily and patiently till it is. To eagerly look for something. An eager anticipation. Like when uh, you're going to go on vacation and you look forward to it. Even if it's flying. You look forward to getting through the airport and the checkout and getting in your seat. But you look forward to that time away. Or for me, Carol and I, going to the zoo in Tampa. Now, there's a show that talks about the zoo, the Tampa Zoo. They have on there going to the back, and we look for those animals when we go there. Oh, yeah, there's that one. That was on the show. We have anticipation. We're waiting to enjoy it. This word is used in Genesis 49:18. For your salvation I wait, O Lord. Psalm 25.3, Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. Verse 5, Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. Verse 21 of Psalm 25, Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Isaiah 40:31 Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength they will mount up with wings like eagles they will run and not get tired they will walk and not become weary David is waiting on the Lord even when his enemies sought to kill him David believes God will rescue him and while he waits on God's timing he continues to trust in him as I was reading this, it reminded me of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3. Remember, they were going to be thrown in a fiery furnace. And they said, we know our God can deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to worship this idol you've set up. They trusted in God. They were waiting on God. How many here in faith builders love to wait? What if the car in front of us doesn't go right away when the left arrow turns green? You ever hear the horn honking? The car in front of us at the drive through at Chick-fil-A doesn't hit the accelerator quick enough when everyone moves up but him. Or the person ahead of us at Publix or Walmart, they don't unload their cart quick enough. 
Or they have 22 items and it says a limit of 20 in this aisle. And you're still waiting. (laughs) Trusting the Lord requires patience. By affirming what we know about God is true. He is with us. He went to Calvary for us. Turning to God's word, learning to obey, learning to be taught. And then being patient, waiting on the Lord. This was something I ran across just a couple days ago from Tammy. And she's serving a life prison in Montana, women's prison. She wrote this, trust, and I thought it was an encouragement. I trust there's a reason that I'm in this place. A reason for having these tears on my face. I trust when I'm lonely that you will be here. I trust that you're with me. I have no reason for fear. I trust when my heart hurts that you're always there. That when I'm feeling dumb, your knowledge you'll share. I trust when I'm weak that you'll help me be strong. That you'll be my guide when I'm apt to go wrong. I trust that you love me when I'm feeling hurt. That you'll cleanse me and heal me when I fall in the dirt. That you'll pick me up gently when I call out your name. You'll change me completely. I won't be the same. I trust that you shield me. Remove shame from my heart. I trust that you'll help me to make a fresh start. I trust that you show me a much better way. I trust that you are with me each night and each day. Tammy trusts the Lord day and night. What about us? Stuart Hamblin, songwriter, reminds us in song, I know not what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Pastor and commentator Charles Swindoll shares, Strength and courage are developed during a trial, not after it's over. Waiting on God is cultivated spiritual discipline. It requires patience and practice. And that last word, practice, that means it's going to come more than once in our lives. There's no shortcuts with God. His plan for each of us requires we trust God's timing. How do we face our fears in life? With confidence in our Lord by singing praises to Him, by expressing our needs to Him, and finally by waiting For the Lord's timing. This psalm was written to help us overcome our fears. And look to the Lord to meet all of our needs. Remember he chose us. Saved us. Keeps us. And someday we'll be with him forever. There was a song I heard on the radio. That I just want to share the words with you as we close. From Psalm 27. It's a new song. I've not heard it before, but I love the words. It's called, I've Got Joy by C.C. Winans. I've got joy in the struggle. I've got peace in the storm. I've got strength in the battle. I don't fear anymore. I'm a child of heaven and my hope is secure. I've got joy because I've got Jesus. He gave me beauty for ashes, turned my life around. He broke my chains and now I dance on solid ground. 
for all he's done to save me. I will raise my voice. I've got Jesus, so I've got joy. He bore all my burdens. Yeah, my debt has been paid. Then he said to my dry bones, rise up out of that grave. He has all my worship, all the honor and praise. I've got joy because I've got Jesus. I hope that's our song. We all have opportunities this coming week that are unique to us because God is guiding our steps. We don't have to fear what's around the corner because God's already there. We, like David, we can be singing instead of drowning in the circumstances. We can be thanking God that he never will leave us nor forsake us. Every day we have on this earth is a gift. Every day we have an opportunity to talk to someone or influence someone or plant a seed in Christ's name. But the question becomes, are we overcome by fear or have we overcome fear like David? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you this morning for your Holy Spirit to teach us from your word, but Lord, not only to teach us, but that we apply it, we live it. We need you, Lord. We need you desperately. So fear doesn't overcome us. We need to singing praises from our hearts, even if it's off tune, Lord. We know you hear it in perfect harmony. And we know we need to trust you. Just guide and direct each one of us this coming week that every day you have us here on this earth, that you would use us for your honor and glory. That you give us a sack of seed every day to spread the seed, the seed of the gospel to those around us, whether it's by word, by action. Help us to be doers and not just hear the challenges, but do something about it in your strength. Help us to trust in you when fear is overwhelming us. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing and will do. And we give you all the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. Have a great week.